Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the X Earnings Podcast, powered by the Intermission Sports. I'm Thomas, and I'm joined by Evan and Lucas. How are you boys doing? We're doing all right. You know, fun times with baseball. Um, a lot of topics still yeah. in our way for us to talk about. What about you, Evan? I'm doing good, doing good. Jays are at least looking a bit better after a bit of a rough patch there. Uh, we're, we'll get into that a bit later, but uh, seems like we got some couple be- bullpen reinforcements coming just to kind of help bolster that. We got uh, uh, obviously Big Dog Springer coming back soon, hopefully, and uh, yeah, looking 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 solid so far this season. Can't forget the old man himself, John Axford, is back. Oh, I'm so excited for him know, coming back. We'll talk about so that more excited. in a bit, but that is... Yeah. I, I, hey, all I'll say beforehand is I don't mind it. I really don't. Me neither. All right, boys. So, one of the, I think we'll talk about, you know, one of the latest rule changes. It's one of the hottest topics mm-hmm. in the MLB right now. Got a lot of pitchers really angry, and you can kind of see why. It's, a, it's about the foreign substance use and how pretty much... Players who are caught using it are now given a 10-game suspension. Whether it's like rosin, sunscreen, it's not really that specific. It just says a sticky stuff, sticky substance. What do you boys think of this rule change? All I can say is why now? Like, I understand that there is the whole, I guess, topic that has been going on over the past few months. And I even heard it from before the season, but... I don't know. It seems like a very arbitrary time to come in and swoop with this whole um, implementation of rule changes. I mean, these are things that I know pitchers have been doing for a long, long time. This isn't like just in 2021, we had Garrett Cole be the ringmaster of some pitchers union and said, we're going to start using all these things. Like, this is something that if they really wanted to investigate, they could have done a long time ago. I don't really know how to feel about it overall, though. Yeah, it's really weird because I remember the MLB, like, I, I think it was a couple months ago. They said this year they're just going to investigate. They wanted to, like, collect data, see what it really does. And they said they weren't going to issue out any suspensions. But mm-hmm. then all of a sudden, they Manfred just decides, you know what? I'm just going to do this rule anyways. And the player union can't do anything about it because this is technically a rule that, you know, hasn't been enforced. So player union has no say in this. No players have any say in this. And I don't know. It's There's a lot of sketchy stuff that's really come with this right now. Like, first of all, like, I'll touch on umpires. For example, umpires, they, um, they aren't really trained to know what is sticky. It's like, for example, with Trevor Bauer, he's posted some videos on Twitter and stuff like that. When he's using just rosin, and rosin is something that pitchers use to get their hands dry, because a lot of them sweat a lot on the mound. They want to get a good grip on the ball. Mm-hmm. Turns out it can get pretty sticky on your hand. It can literally stick on your hand if you're holding it up. So yep. I don't know. There's a real gray line when it comes to what's being sticky. That's the way especially I see since it. Ros- especially since Rosenbacks have been sitting on mounts for God knows how long at this point. Like, this is something literally provided to pitchers. Free game. To like... And then now they're like, oh, my God, it sticks. Just like, how did you not figure that out? Wasn't that the point? Like, sure, it was to it was to provide grip, like Thomas just said. But what else did you think was going to happen? It's going to stick to the hand. And if this is now just something bad, then that's just something you just switched up on a one eighty. But why? Now our pitcher's going to be like, I look at Tyler Chatwood when he pitches. This is a little anecdotal experience. I'm not saying anything about him with substances, but he's this dude thro- trying to throw onto the right plate like the right the batting right side of the plate will just throw it all away everywhere and it's just like if you want to get rid of all these substances be prepared for a lot more tyler chatwoods who are just and not because they're not good pitchers but because they're just gonna have sweaty hands now and they're just it's gonna be like holding on to a grease ball essentially like especially have you guys oh my bad my bad i was just gonna say have you guys ever held like an mlb ball like those things are slick as hell if your hand mm-hmm. gets if your they hand are, gets sweaty, yeah. you cannot grip that ball properly. That's the way I see it. Like that's the way that's what I've noticed whenever I toss like an MLB ball with my boys or something like that. And we're out there for mm-hmm. a while. It's like you can barely get a grip on it. It's ridiculous. So like when pitchers are trying to throw pinpoint precision pitches, throwing it like anywhere from 90 to like 98, 100 miles an hour, it's like mm-hmm. how are you supposed to control that? 
And you got them scared now, like not wanting to use rosin because they're afraid they'll get suspended for 10 games. I don't know. It's, it's really weird right now at the MLB. What I didn't mm-hmm. like was, personally, I didn't like it anyways. The argument uh, and quote that was brought up by Tyler Glasnow saying he obviously had, uh, I think it was, I want to say UCL in his el- or something in his elbow uh, he tore. Uh, ligament wise and he elected not to do Tommy John he's going to try to come back this season who knows if that's going to work out or not for him uh, I mean obviously hoping for the best for him but who knows what what happens on that front but his comments were basically and you never see guys do press conferences after they've gotten injured but Glass now specifically went out and had one and said look um, I blame this kind of, he basically said he blames it on the MLB for coming up with this new rule and openly admitting to having used sticky stuff throughout the year. And now that they've implemented this rule, he had to change. And because he had to change mid season without his arm adjusting to it, he hurt himself. And now he's out for a significant amount of time. And I think that was, I, I don't necessarily like that point, but I definitely think it shouldn't have been mid season. Yeah, I, I definitely have to agree with you there, Evan. And it's like the thing is, like, touching up on injuries and stuff like that. Like, when you think about it, they're going to have to grip that ball that extra little bit harder every single time they throw. Like, don't be surprised if you see more and more injuries coming out, honestly. It's like, this is what I don't get about this rule. Why do it in the middle of the season mm-hmm. when pitchers have already been preparing the entire season a certain way? They have a certain way they're doing stuff to, like, try to maximize the performance and prevent injuries and that kind of stuff. And you go and you just throw like a wrench in there. It's like, it's, I don't know, Manfred, I still don't get what he's doing. If this is something the MLB was looking forward to investigate and study and just understand just how rampant the use of sticky substances is by MLB pitchers, why is this something, like you said, that is happening midway through the season? This is something that should have been, I think, waited until next off season. I think if, if, if we're at this point in the season where we were just upper level people in the MLB wanted to crack down on this, it's too late. We're already halfway through the season. Like you said, pitchers have their own way of preparing. If you didn't want them to do this, why didn't you do this last off season? I'll tell like, you why they just, didn't. I'll tell you why they did it. Bad publicity. Mm-hmm. Like the amount of yeah. stories have been coming out about this stuff. They don't want that attention. That's why they just want to try to put a you know nail in the coffin right now. Mm-hmm. But like put it to bed. It, it has a lot of repercussions. It has a lot of repercussions right now. And it's like I totally get it. Them wanting to crack down on the stuff like people using goddamn gorilla glue or like spider tacks, which spider is like tack. super, God. super sticky stuff. Like I, mean, I you completely see the videos of the people putting their hands in the thing as a spider tack, and it literally almost takes the whole container yeah, I saw up those when they raise their arms. It's ridiculous. Like I get cracking down on that kind of stuff, but like I feel like a lot of pitchers don't even really use that stuff. I feel like most of them use sunscreen and rosin, really. And mm-hmm. it's like that stuff, like that should be allowed. That's what I don't get. Like it's really mm-hmm. sketchy. Like if if the MLB needs to like provide what is legal what isn't legal they can't just say sticky stuff is illegal because there's so mm-hmm. much more than that yep but yeah they, they need like, to come out and, and especially like we said with the whole thing with the rosin like this is stuff that is literally provided it's on mounds it's for pitchers to use and then now you're essentially saying well that is maybe bad but everything else is bad but like you said what is the what are the exact parameters of what is bad and good? What can pitchers or what can, like? Do you just want pitchers to dr- pitch dry all the time? Is that what you really want at the end of the day? Come out and say that then. Obviously, like we said, publicity is a factor, and they are not going to just say something that might make them look bad or put a bad image on them. But some things, just some decisions they're making are going to have long-term repercussions. It's just not good for the game to just midway through to just throw this hammer down and say, well. Here it is, especially with the short notice it's been. These things have been going on for a long time. This isn't something that was just discovered this year. So if if they really cared about it, where was this even years ago? Because years ago, it has been it was being used years ago. Sure, so some things might develop over the course of years, and you might find new ways to do things and to manipulate the game in certain ways. But at the end of the day, in a nutshell, sticky substances isn't new. 
if I don't know why the MLB just cares in the, all of a sudden this much in June of 2021. It's well, the big thing about it is doing it halfway through the season. Not only is it bad for an adjustment period, but also you're, it's pretty easy to tell and scapegoat the ones that were evidently using it to their advantage. Like you saw uh, Garrett Cole, especially as soon as they started implementing the rule, his numbers dropped. He had two shaky starts. And then in his press conference after the game, when they asked him about it, he kind of had a bit of a nervous kind of shaky response that wasn't really fully backed up saying, Hey, I definitely quote unquote, didn't do it. But like, and even like Trevor Bauer, I saw uh, is down a ton of uh, RPM on a lot of his pitches. I think I saw, uh, I, I don't, don't quote me on it, but I thought I saw maybe like it's dropped like 300% or something. Like it's, it's ridiculous how far it dropped after they impose the ban and you're seeing i mean bauer bauer has really ramped up over the past few seasons he's been pitching really well pitched really well last year obviously winning the cy young pitching pitching well this year but the difference between his starts uh, after the announcement and before it's pretty noticeable and you can see it with cole and you're seeing it with a lot more guys and i I, and i don't like the way the mlb went about doing that because now you're without saying it you're showing who has been cheating uh, quote unquote in their eyes cheating their way to get their better uh, to pitch better than they are kind of thing right like you're seeing it especially with Garrett Cole um, because he had I mean he's been picking it up recently now that he's getting back used to throwing without it I think but um, that the first two starts afterwards he really really fell off and had some shaky starts against the Rays I believe I don't know it's just it's an absolute mess and it's like I get why these pitchers did it. Like, it's literally a rule that the MLB is like, oh, please don't do, but we're not going to actually enforce it. Mm-hmm. Like, like, why wouldn't pitchers take advantage of something that can help them perform better, possibly get bigger contracts, more money, helps them secure, you know, have more security and that kind of stuff. Like, I completely get that. Like, sure, you could say it's like maybe unmoral or unjust, but if everybody is doing it and it puts you in a disadvantage, like, I don't know. It's just, it's really, mm-hmm. it's really a mess right now. That's like at the end of the day, if a, if a game is going to provide players with a loophole, don't expect them not to take it. Every, every player, every team is looking to perform the best they can to win. Yeah, you're right. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. MLB is messed up for like just the way that they're like switching sides really with this. It's like, it's really weird. In my opinion, if they really wanted to crank down on it right away, if they really wanted to crack down on the use of substances on the mound, they would have been more serious about the use of pine tar in the first place. Like The most famous example is uh, Michael Pineda, where they had him against the Red Sox uh, one week, and then two weeks later they had him again, where he was accused the first time, and then he used it again against the Red Sox, and you could evidently see the pine tar on his neck. Um, if they had just fully cracked down on it then and said, look, you, this is, we have to be able to make sure these pitchers aren't do uh, aren't using these substances and know the consequences of doing so. Then I think we don't run into this problem, but because they let it go for a while and now there's new methods, new different substances out there, it's really gotten out of hand. And that's why we saw this middle of the year ban put in place and it's really messed with the shift, of, uh, not with the shift, messed with the uh, pitchers a lot. Yeah. What do you guys oh, think? Oh, yeah. Oh, my. Go ahead. I was just going to say, what do you guys think that the MLB has to do to, like, make like make it right? Like, I do agree totally with having this band to, like, try to even the playing field. But, like, mm-hmm. what do you think the MLB should do to, like, truly make it right? Because right now it's just – it's not really that right. It's pretty, it's pretty messed up. Everything is just way too arbitrary. Like uh, the parameters set aren't clear. And I think going into next season, if wh- who even knows if there's going to be a season, if there's going to be a lot of time out because of an, because of a lockdown, which I think there will be, um, use this time to really go into setting exact parameters as to what is allowed and what is not allowed. that can be up to the league and they can discuss that with the PA who can in turn discuss that with the pitchers and then we, they can have their own discussions and have a year to prepare going forward 
with whatever substances may or may not be allowed. Because like we said, we can't have pitchers just having sweaty hands and grabbing a dry ball because that's just like for pitchers who are dominant at painting corners, for example, if we're going to have them losing grip by the by like the fourth inning of a one o'clock game during the dog days of summer where your hands are probably wet or like you, we don't want guys who are usually elite at those things to just be missing and just be throwing meatballs left and right. Like uh, we need to find the right balance here. I don't know. Like then you do, then on the flip side, you have guys saying that it's gone too far at this point. Like I'm sure that even though there have been sticky substances that have been used for a long time now, there might be some crazy stuff that really is being used that hasn't been used before. I remember recently if uh, Fernando Tatis even came out and said that he's seen pitches he has never seen before. I'm not Fernando Tatis, so I don't know exactly what he's seeing. I'm not in the box, but that says something. I'm sure he's not lying. Like that says something. And it, it just makes me curious. I know we talk about spider tack and all those things that have come out. What else is being potentially used by pitchers? These things need to be discussed and there needs to be a candid discussion for there to stop having, like there just needs to be a candid discussion so that things can be set properly and these problems just kind of go away going forward. But don't yeah, do this in the middle of the season ever again. Yeah, like, I, I definitely agree with you, man. One thing I need, I think that needs to be done as well is with the umpires. Like, I don't think really any umpires have really been like truly trained in this. It's like when it comes to like when they test players, it can, I think it can probably be pretty subjective like some umpires might not care as much or like they and some umpires like they might define sticky as like you know like super duper sticky or like you know like it's it's really weird because umpires like they need to have like some type of third party that can like truly determine what is sticky and what isn't sticky and that kind of stuff so they can like have a parameter because there's like no parameter it's just such a gray area but that's definitely something that the MLB's got to work on yeah but doing it in the middle of the season is just absolute shambles like, not gonna lie it's not it's not like they they de-juice the ball in july like this is stuff that they know they should they had to have done in the off season these are changes that happen before season begins i don't know why this should be treated differently if things are rolling the way they are honestly i would just say let the season play out however it started and let's keep it going like and then we reassess in the off season when think when players can make wholesale changes and have enough time to do so we don't want another because if, if Tyler Glasnow's injury is really attributed to this change, we don't want more of the game's best pitchers going down over these things. It's just not worth it. I don't care if it's to stick it to them and to make sure they're playing the game the right way. You gave them the loophole in the first place. You have to be accountable for that. You can't blame the players for necessarily using that because what else are they going to do? If I'm a pitcher and if I can find a way to make myself better, honestly, I would. I wouldn't do anything crazy like go on steroids or something. But if there's minute differences that I can manipulate my way through, I probably would if I felt the need to. I don't know. I'm not a pitcher, so I don't really know exactly what I would do, but I can understand why these players would do so. I think bottom line, you just can't have... With the MLB, the way you make it up to the pitchers is by not not letting things get to a lockout next year. The, the lo- lockout is good for nobody because it means people aren't playing and there's discourse between them if the mlb is a little bit more understanding with the players union i think that helps at least a little bit this the, this season this season as a whole is kind of chalked as it is uh with this whole mid-season change it's it's tough but i think and you obviously aren't gonna like change it back now you aren't gonna like to let the rest of the season play you're not gonna do that mm-hmm. i think they just have to kind of let it ride this season and try to try to be reasonable with the players in the off season. I mean, it, there's not, it's what's done is done now The pitchers got to handle or deal with it as best as they can. Cause, but, uh, and what Thomas was saying with the umpires as well is quite interesting. Cause what, who's to say what a different umpire's definition of sticky is right. Like, uh, but as well, I think um, with the umpires in the off season, that's going to be something because we know we've had a lot of problems with, calls and umpires and replay reviews and that's going to be interesting as well in the next uh cba and hopefully we don't have another lockout because that's going to be an interesting conversation as well 
And for some reason, this weird thought just came to my head. I know players aren't allowed to do it, but can we somehow give umpires steroids to like, you know, help them out, call pitches better? Like, is that somehow, that's somehow possible? Can, can we like get them laser focused on an actual strike zone or like, cause oh, man, eye surgery, man. It's like three Adderall it's a- for every umpire. <laughs> oh, it's so bad. It, so bad some of the zones i've been seeing like just watching jays games man like i mean it's going both ways i'm not saying like oh the jays jays went on that six game losing streak because of umpires obviously that's not the case but some of the some of those uh strikes uh, balls and strikes i've seen called some of the, just the umpires rulings like i've been really questioning some of the stuff the umpires have been hey, doing and i mean that's been I, going on forever but robot umpires it's a conversation that i know a lot of purists are going to be like no but eh, i mean it's not terrible i think i think it's reasonable i think i think robot umpires are reasonable if you watched yesterday's game against between the jays and the orioles i mean jerry meals so bad yesterday so bad yesterday like especially in that Reese McGuire at bat, his lone at bat where he didn't even record a hit, it wasn't even his fault. He took a ball; it was very evidently a ball, and strike three. And I'm just like, yeah, come on. Like, I don't know. I guess imperfection is supposed to be part of the game, but realistically, I I don't know. I'm totally down for robot arms, but I guess we'll let the future decide. We'll let the future decide what's going to happen with that. But you, you know who has no imperfections though, Jacob Degrom. Even after all this yep. crap that's been breaking True. out, pitchers True. playing bad, spin rates going down, all that nonsense, Degrom is still amazing. He actually, after his start today, he broke Bob Gibson's record in his iconic 1968 season for having the most starts in a row, allowing once one earned run or fewer, which is absolutely insane. Because you think about Bob Gibson that year. He like had a one twelve ERA, something like that. He had like eight or nine complete game shutouts. Like he was absolutely insane that year. And you're telling me that Degrom is doing better than Bob Gibson was? I I don't even know what to say about that. Insane. I did see something that it it was on Instagram. I lost the post, so I have no clue like fully exactly what it was or the numbers. But it was in for this season pitchers with I think at least like 700 pitches thrown like starting pitchers or I think it's any pitcher with at least 700 innings thrown but obviously that would only pertain to starters at this point but it was or sorry pitches not innings not innings pitches um it was thrown over I think 99 miles per hour and first was Jacob DeGrom he had like 330 or something like that if I remember the post correctly and yeah, in second yeah, was Sandy Alcantara with like 71. The difference is insane. It's ridiculous. But the consistency of power, it's just, I, I don't know. I, it's just, just mind-blowing. Like the dominance that we've seen. People, I remember in the offseason, the people were like, who's better, Garrett Cole or Jacob DeGrom? At the time, I was like, come on, really? Like, are we really answering that? It's DeGrom. It's DeGrom now. One million. And I saw some people, yep. And I saw some devil's advocate. He was like, well, no, if we look at this about Garrett Cole, I'm like, Cole's a great pitcher, but let's not have this conversation. So far in June of the 2021 season, I mean, it was a stupid question to ask in the first place. Jacob DeGrom is. I don't know. I don't know where the Mets would be without him. And DeGrom might be having the best start that a starting pitcher has ever had, honestly. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't – I've never – especially in the modern era with all these amazing hitters, all this technology, everything that goes into it, tracking, you know, patterns, the way people pitch. Like, it's absolutely insane how he's just dominating like this, like crazy. And it seems like he's probably barely using any foreign substances either which makes mm-hmm. it even more insane. Like when if I saw that, the, when I saw that the Grom's like RPM, like barely lowered ever since that happened and he's still dominating. I'm like, wow, this guy is absolutely insane. Like he's on another level. Like there might not be anybody who's having a better season than him. What a quick, yeah, and it's crazy. The Mets need him though. The Mets need him so bad right now. And he's doing it ironically on both sides of the ball. Like, He's 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 somehow hitting better in his starts than a lot of the guys are giving him. Like he's he's it sucks because Degrom, 
DeGrom has to do it all on his own with New York right now. Mm-hmm. And and the Mets, the Mets are a tough team to watch when he's on the mound because he does so well, but they just can never get him run support. And I mean, mm-hmm. that's why he's had to keep it to zero or one run every game is because they can only score one or two runs per game. And they just got worse too, because I have breaking news on the show here. Um, mm-hmm. Per Steve Gelbs, a Mets reporter, uh, an MRI for... Uh, starting starting pitcher Joey Lucchisi of the Mets, who they got from San Diego in the offseason, uh, has a torn UCL and will likely need Tommy John. So they're gonna need uh, they're gonna need Degrom as well, as m- more than ever now to just keep them keep them fighting in their division. Yeah, that two headed monster of Stroman and Degrom might be one of yep. the best pitching duos in the league. Honestly, Stroman's so underrated this year. I think he has like a 210 ERA. Yeah, I agree. He's just yeah. blown under the radar because of how insane DeGrom has been. But, man, mm-hmm. thinking, seeing we how well Stroman's back? No clue, honestly. But Syndergaard's kind of fallen off. I don't, I don't, think, like I don't think they're coming back. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I know he's been injured all year, but I don't know when he's coming back. Think, well, if Syndergaard can come back and pitch pretty well, that's huge because then I we know what Syndergaard can bring when he's at his peak. Um Imagine like a good Syndergaard coming back, joining everything that the Grom, Stroman, and even Taiwan Walker have been doing. Like, yeah, that's you probably league. have the best pitching staff in the league. Like, say what you want about the Padres or you know the, the Giants. Dodgers, the yeah, Giants, like, the Giants, man. We'll talk about that after. But oh, Giants, man, point, ridiculous. Right the now. Mets, but the New York Mets, they sit at. I believe, let me check real quick. I believe they said seven games over 500 now. Uh, have a stranglehold over that NL East. Oh, eight games over. 37 and 29 as we speak. Four and a half games over. At this point, like, I, I do think they run away with that division. And a lot of credit has to go to Jacob DeGrom for basically making every single start an easy win for the Mets as long as they can hit kind of decently. So... They got to cherish that because if they don't make the playoffs with that going on, with all that the Grom is doing, that would be catastrophic. That would be absolutely. Latest I've seen on Syndergaard is he's unlikely. He had a, he had a setback after setback after having his Tommy John uh, in a Class A uh, rehab start, and it's very unlikely. I think he returns this season, from what I saw late, but. If he does, it'll be end of the season for sure. So maybe playoff bullpen arm, but even still, I think it's unlikely we see Noah Syndergaard this season. Yeah, their their pitching staff's fine, even with, with even without Syndergaard. To be honest, it's just yeah. that their bats have got to turn it around. I think I think Lindor's been picking it up as of late. I don't know exactly. Yeah. I remember at the beginning of the month he was heating up. I don't know if he's still hot and. Hit two but, home runs the other day, so I think he's been doing good. I saw that on only, MLB's post. Only Pete Alonso, forty-two runs scored. Pete Alonso's been all right so far, but yeah, that pitching is gonna be what carries that team. And you know the what they say, needed, pitching. Yeah, the bats need to come alive for this team to go from good to elite. I mean, they can do it. They've only scored two hundred forty-two runs. Um, is that really the worst thing? I mean, considering they've played significantly fewer games than the average team right now, not exactly, but that's not good. Like they kind of have the opposite. They really have the opposite problem to Jays in a lot of, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Speaking of, you know, good teams in the NL, how about the giants? The giants are leading the NL West through two and a half months. Who would have expected that? Like I don't, I don't even know if the Dodgers have really touched first place in that division. If it was, it was only like at the beginning of the year for a little bit. The Giants have been oh, and they were like abs- thirteen and two, yeah. Then, then they yeah, like cool. the Giants are first in the whole league. They are absolutely crushing it right now. They rank when like near the over. top ten. They rank near the top ten in like every offensive category. Rank number one in home runs actually, and you know they're near top five in every single pitching category. Like this team really has. No flaws right now when you think about it. Such a random team to <laughs> just be doing this well. The Giants, what? They went from a perennial, like, 75-win team over the past, like, few seasons. And now, oh, hey, we're back to the 2012 Giants. Hello. And I'm just like, wh- why? I mean, I like the Giants, honestly. Like, I have nothing against the Buster Posey. He's just back to being his old self. 
which is a little That's random. Great. Evan Long. It's like everyone has just turned the clock back five years. Brandon Belt is having a good season. Evan Longoria is like apparently Wait, in oh, 2011. Gosman. Just Gosman. Kevin Gosman is like battling with Jacob DeGrom almost. I swear for that Cy Young, he won't win it, but he's up there. Even Cueto, like, who we went on an IG Live with. I have to do it again. Oh, that was the to funniest thing I've ever seen. Like, I get home from oh. work, it's like midnight, and all of a sudden I see <laughs> Lucas is going live with Johnny Cueto. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> I would, I wanted to say something, but I was so, I was trying not to laugh. I was trying my hardest to hold it together, and I was, I was about to start saying something, and then he just kicks me. And I was like, <laughs> damn, okay, I see how it is. But... <laughs> Johnny Cueto on Instagram is a whole nother conversation. I love that man. If you, if anybody follows his Instagram, I don't have to say much. You just know that he is a complete enigma. But shout out Johnny Cueto, man. He's I still hate him. Field. Man, I still hate him for all his years on the Royals and you know Same. terrorizing us back in 2015. Like I don't think I'll ever get over Cueto because of that. But he does seem like a good guy. I just don't respect him on the baseball field whatsoever. I don't that's understand his personality, but maybe it's best that way. Maybe that's what is charging him up to have this good season. I don't know. If, if, this, if, his, if his Instagram lives are really the backbone to the giant season, because I think when I went on live with him, he was on the team bus. <laughs> he was on the team <laughs> bus. So maybe that's, what, maybe that's why they're doing so good. I don't know. Maybe his IG lives are like a magic spell of some sort. I don't know. Yeah. I, I remember the thing like, about the Giants. Is, oh, sorry, you go. You go. I don't know. It's just I knew I had to get on his live when I saw him trying to kick these random dudes from I don't even know where who were just showed up on his live to speak gibberish. And then he was like, bye bye, bye bye, bye bye. And uh, he was waving them goodbye. And I'm like, Johnny, just click the X button. <laughs> just click the X button. It's not that hard. And thank God he learned that next time he kicked me out using the X button. I'm like, okay, he learned how to kick somebody out of an Instagram live. Congratulations. Johnny Cueto, though, all jokes aside. Great pitcher, adding a lot of value to a really good Giants team. I think this team makes the playoffs. I'm sold on them. I mean, any team can really fall apart, but I don't see any reason why this team should fall apart, honestly. I don't. The biggest, the, yeah, the biggest Cinderella story and redemption like squad right there, which is mm-hmm. just, it's honestly so fun to see. Well, the crazy and thing well, is, they've had, they're doing so well. They've had six starts from Aaron Sanchez. I like, how is that guy still? I mean, he's not. He, there's a reason it's only six starts. Um, oh, and, Aaron Sanchez. <laughs> I don't think he's had an, a start since like April. But Dremski, who arguably people thought going into the season was their best hitter, he's only. Uh, that's arguably, by the way. Um, but he's only hitting 237 right now. It's not like he's having a ridiculous season like he did. He had a good year last year, but he's not he's not off to the good start that he did last year. He's only got 26 RBIs. Uh, nine dingers isn't too bad. Brandon Crawford has 16 home runs. Oh, my gosh. Brandon Crawford. Brandon Crawford, man. Having a really he's, he's good year. brought it back. I would say he's been the second best shortstop right lately in the NL. I would say so. Behind yeah. Tatis only, yeah. really. I've even seen some people preferring him over Tatis this year for the All-Star game. Oh, I disagree. 29. I disagree, oh but I don't think it's crazy. I don't think it's crazy. Like, Brandon Crawford has been that guy. He's been really good. Another team I kind of wanted to touch on was, like, I wanted to wait, touch on the wait, wait, Evan, what did you say about Brandon Crawford, his average? 249. I just said Posey's, Posey's average right now is oh, uh, 329. Sorry, po- Posey, yeah, I thought you said Crawford. Forgive me, <laughs> but Posey. No, nah, yeah, Crawford's Posey at two fifty. Crawford's at two fifty. Crawford's having a and good still year. Still hitting balls. Eight seventy three OPS is still very, very good for Brandon Crawford. Look at look at all the guys with an OPS over eight hundred. There's like five, six guys in yeah. that lineup, and then everyone, like, good for Sam. They're doing solid. Even they're doing they're doing even, really solid right now. Just good for them. Just well rounded performance. I mean. I think Cosman eight and one is crazy. They might not win the they might not win the division, but they also could. I mean, yeah, yeah. Shout out to them. They, they I don't see too much danger in front of them, but who knows how the rest of the season unfolds. But 
something I want to touch on. Something I also want to touch on is a bit of the Blue Jays. Vladdy tied for the league lead in home runs. Shohei just decided to come out of nowhere, going an absolute tear, and now he's tied with Vladdy. But Vladdy's still tied first, leading the league in RBIs. He's, I think mm-hmm. he's, yeah, he's third in the league for runs scored, and right behind Acuna and Bo, because Bo's been absolutely crazy. And he's like third in the league for average. Do you think he could yep. win the triple crown? Because he honestly could. This OPS, oh, he easily could. This, this, I think this is better. Than, this is better than Miguel Cabrera when he won his triple crown. I'm sorry, but he, this is so much better. And Miguel Cabrera was a beast. I'm yeah, sorry, this guys, is better. It's it's tough to say. Like, well, it's we'll have to like, see. Right now, he's on a better know. pace than Miggy. That's for sure. Because he's Miggy, he's hit way more bombs than Miggy. But yeah, an eleven hundred OPS, like two and a half months into the season. Yeah, I don't. It's know hard enough guys... to get to a thousand. Yeah, I don't know if you guys okay. saw this stat, but like the only guys who have like an OPS above one thousand one hundred. Like, you know, like 70 games through the season is Vlad, mm-hmm. Ted Williams, and Joe freaking DiMaggio. That, yep. Two of the best hitters of all time. Who are those guys again? I, I've never heard of them. <laughs> Have uh, uh, Can you just remind me where I've heard those names before? Like, <laughs> Yeah, who like knows two, those guys, man? Scrubs. Absolute scrubs. Yeah. And Ted Vladdy, they're no scrubs. Problem. Joe DiMaggio, come yep. on. Give me better than that. <laughs> Seriously though, Vladdy's like this is ridiculous. Four points, four points of average behind Michael Brantley right now, tied with Shohei for the lead, and two RBIs up on Devers for first in RBIs. So it's very likely he could very well do it. The only one I'm a bit worried about is average because Brantley's ridiculous, and uh, but I mean Vladdy yeah. definitely has a shot. Vladdy definitely has a shot, and this is probably one of the best chances the Jays have I mean it's easily the best chance the Jays have ever had at a triple crown I think and I, mean, I think the closest will will I mean if he doesn't get it it'll be one of the like it'll probably be the closest we'll ever get like I mean, it is I'm for MVP too I mean we had an MVP winner six oh, years MVP. ago and Josh Donaldson and I'm sorry but this is much better than what Josh Donaldson ever did way and better crazy. way better because you remember better. Josh Donaldson in that year and he was like locked in every at bat like you felt like every at bat mm-hmm. he was like get a hit but when Vladdy's yeah. at the plate you feel like every at bat can be a home run like <laughs> yeah. I'm not even we joking have... like it's crazy no, seriously like you look at this guy on the plate he is he and one thing that I noticed over recent like recently as I've watched games is he doesn't really step out the batter's box in between pitches I think that's just his rhythm he just likes to just stand there and just keep going he's like that is that's to me shows that he is li- locked in like he is not messing around. Like he is any like it's almost like he can just predict any ball and strikes. Like I don't see pitchers must be so frustrated. They can hardly get ahead of this guy because he doesn't swing a junk anymore. He just takes everything. He's literally like this is Juan Soto type stuff. Him and Juan Soto. I know Juan Soto has not even been near Vladdy this year, but you think about what he did last year and the year before. People were. I saw people being like, "See, Vlad needs to be like Juan Soto." I haven't seen everybody say that, but I saw. People. No, but now look what's happening. Like Vlad. <laughs> now it's the other way around, and I like both players a lot. True. At, well, I love Vlad. I mean, Vlad, I've been yeah. following since he was like, I don't know, since he was Evan's age. Like, that, <laughs> bro, what do you I've guys following... think? I was just gonna say, what do you guys think of Vladdy not participating in the home run derby because he chose not to? I'm disappointed, but I get it. I mean, it's his it's his choice. I get it too. I can you imagine him at Coors Field though? If he's he did hitting, that, he's if, hitting a hundred. He would hit a hundred. He did what he did more than last year. Did, literally, if he did what he did in Progressive, I don't want to at Progressive Field. I don't want to imagine what he would do with Colorado. Yeah, like 110. That's my guess. Over We're under 110. We are missing a treat, but at least at least we saw him in 2019. But we really are missing a treat. But it's his choice. Are, I mean, if are. he feels it's best, if 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 he feels it's best for him, then I'm not going to mess around with the season Vladdy's having. I mean, why would I? Want oh yeah. That? Like if it and means I think like, Vladdy, yeah, if it means Vladdy can still keep playing like this, 
Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I just don't mess him up. Don't mess up his timing. Don't, don't just no. by all means do not mess up the timing right now. But I think my favorite thing about Vladdy is not only is he absolutely mashing the ball defensively at first base, he has been a wizard. As a first baseman myself, it is beautiful watching Vladdy play the game right now. He's he's got a nine nine six field fielding percentage as a guy who this is his first full one sixty two as a first baseman, and he is absolutely killing the game. The confidence is there. He's picking balls with the best of them, and he's really turning into, like, this is this is why they give guys the MVP, because not only are they mashing the ball, but they're also helping their team on the other side of the ball. And Otani has a bit of an unfair advantage because he's literally a Cy Young-type pitcher as well as a ridiculous hitter. But with Vladdy, he's really showing out, um, showing out on the defensive side of the ball, and he's saved a lot of errors for the Jays infield uh, throughout the year. And I've been loving the game. And he's even, even, even the plays that as a first baseman, you aren't expect like you don't, you can't practice a lot of the plays uh, that a first baseman has to make on a daily basis. Cause you never know what can happen, but he's adjusted to those plays well. And what we heard all last year was, Oh, in time, he'll learn that, especially from Buck and Pat and, um, Dan Schulman, just oh, he'll learn how to play that. But now, we've he never is. heard that from him this year. He is now. He is in the now. Mm-hmm. He knows what he's doing as a first baseman, and he doesn't have to be told, oh, he'll learn that in time. He's learned it. He's mastered it at this point. He is a legitimate first baseman. And I mean, I get. I see um, Mike Wilner on Twitter talking about. I mean, uh, how Vladdy has a ridiculously good arm, and I mean. Yes, he could still probably be a good third baseman with his arm, Forget but I love him it. at Forget first. It. I think Forget. keep him at yep. first, and even he can use that arm to his advantage at first base. He can turn that exactly. like he can go to second uh, uh, to turn a double play first, right? He can go across the diamond like we saw. Uh, I can't remember who he did that against, but uh, he went across the diamond to get the guy at third base when he had to come off the bag, and we see him jumping for balls now. I think Vladdy's Vladdy's strength is not only his offense right now, but his confidence and ability defensive-wise, and he's agile. He's get, diving for balls out there. I think I think he is easily the front runner for AL MVP, and yeah. it is the only way he could be contested is if Shohei beats yeah. him in home runs and also wins the Cy Young. Like <laughs> that's those the only two. way. It's between yeah. those two. <laughs> Any other See? person that somebody wants to bring up contesting with Vlad for that trophy, I will not listen to them. It just doesn't make sense to me. Otani I'll listen to just because of the value of being a two-way player. Just being that talented is just ridiculous. So, and with the Terry's gone on, I, I, I can understand somebody arguing for Otani. I do think Vlad is the MVP, but if somebody wants to say Otani, I wouldn't look at them with like they have three eyes. But everyone else, don't, don't even talk about it, man. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Just no shot, no shot, just them. Seeing Vlad at first still makes me wish we had JD at the hot corner. Like I know he hasn't been that good this year, but like every year before this year, he's hey, been great. I still what? wish we had JD. We're having, we know who we are gonna have this. Hopefully going to be another JD, our boy JG, Jordan Groshans. I or Austin Martin. Another Josh Both work. Or, uh, Both Austin work. Martin. Put Austin Martin in center field. I don't know. Put Groshans at third. I think that's – you got it. You got it. There. Yeah. Something I wanted to talk about with you boys is um, let's say the Jays were not in a good position going into the All-Star break. Let's say we're like five, six games under 500. We don't really have any solution for the problems we're facing, which is pretty much the bullpen. Like, mm-hmm. what do you think? Do you think the Jays should unload some of the pieces they have? Like Simeon, who's on a one-year. Um, or, like, guys like maybe Biggio or something like that. Like, what do you guys think? Do you think, do you think the guy, Jays could, like, unload on some of their players who are playing well right now? Get some, get a heap return of prospects or something like that. Because, like, the way I see it, it's like we might not even sign Simeon next year. Like, cause we have so many guys in the pool coming up and we got to make money or we got to like create some caps so we can sign Bo and Vlad to these monster extensions that they're going to get. So I don't even know if we would even sign Simeon into an extension, to be honest. What do you guys think? Simeon, I can see going if, like you said, the worst case scenario does happen over the next month or so. And we do kind of fall short and everyone else is just too far ahead. Then Simeon, I can see. Because he's on a one-year deal, 
he's not necessarily like as good as he's been he's been excellent that might be more incentive to trade him then because he was always meant to be a bridge type shortstop or infielder like obviously he hasn't played shortstop because of bull but point is wherever he goes he's not really meant to be the long-term piece at least i don't think that's the intent they had in signing him otherwise i'm sure they would have gotten somebody for a longer term but when you have guys like jordan groshans or relvis martinez austin martin like all these guys coming up they make semian quite expendable expendable so if we're if we if we're doing well now if we're five ten games over 500 then no i don't think we should get rid of him but if we are in a worst case scenario, I'm open to trading Simeon. Kevin Biggio, I think he's kind of expendable, but I, I don't know. I think it's the only reason I would say Kevin is expendable. It's not really because I don't believe in him. It's more because of the fact that just the surplus of talent we have coming up at the infield position, but also his flexibility on the field and his, just, his overall versatility does add some value to him in that regard. Maybe even Lourdes. I love Lourdes. He's one of my favorite players, but would I die if I saw him get traded for something good? No, not really. I mean, we have too many offensive weapons to really worry about that. But it's not a bunch of guys I'd be willing to trade in the worst case scenario other than Evan Semyon. Really, like, I don't know about Evan, though. Like, if it's worst case scenario, say we're 5-10 games under, no shot, like the Red Sox or Rays or Yankees have run away with the division. Around trade deadline, I, I would say after All-Star break, around trade deadline time, then I could see you maybe move on from Semyon just because he has played so well. And then, hey, maybe if you really wanted, you could re-sign him next year if you really wanted. I think he walks either way for a boatload of money. But I think, hey, if you really wanted, you could try to re-sign him for next year. Um, but I think if, if in worst possible case scenario, I see that Kevin, I'd be a bit more hesitant to, cause I don't think his value is where it would be in a, like Kevin, Kevin's value right now isn't at a high. I, I, I wouldn't say it's at a low for him, but I'd say it's not definitely not at a high for Kevin. So I wouldn't be willing to move him, move on from him just yet, but even even if it's not a worst case scenario, looking at the outfield, because I know you mentioned it, Lucas, I think Guriel is a guy that is more protected than expendable because of his upside defensively. I think you could keep him in a left field. And I mean, if he can figure out his offense, I think you have to keep him. And because his defense and his arm out there is so valuable. And to me, I don't know. I've always thought this and I don't, I don't love it because I know every time I say this, he proves me wrong and goes out and has a two-dinger game pretty much the day after. Um, but looking at the outfield right now, once Springer gets back and is fully healthy, I think your odd one out is Teoscar. And every time I say this, like he goes out and hits two dingers. But I don't know. I think my problem with Teoscar is he just strikes out too much for me, but he is a power bat. So I, I get that. But, I get it. But, but I he's hitting 300. I disagree. Yeah, is Lourdes, he hitting three hundred right now? Yeah, he is hitting three hundred. Turned it up. If you have well, a, if oh, you well then. To... Okay, never mind. I'll no. eat my words right here live. I didn't realize yeah. he was hitting three hundred. No, Te- to me, Teo. Honestly, Lourdes defensively and Teo aren't that different. It's just a matter of Lourdes has a more accurate arm. Both of them can throw hard. Teo, I don't think Lourdes is a good defender at all. If we're excluding the arm, his routes suck. They do. He's not actually. Worst, you know. Ever, yeah. But... He's not like yeah. he's not a good fielder. He has a good arm, but he's not a good outfielder. Like if we're talking like making good, it's like this, it, it reminds me a little bit about the Kevin Pillar delusion. Like sure, Kevin Pillar was a good outfielder, but I saw people be like, he got robbed. Kevin Kiermaier, it's like no, don't don't let the highlights fool you. Kevin Kiermaier can catch any ball in the outfield. Kevin Pillar, the reason why he has all these all these diving catches because he doesn't have the range that Kiermaier does. I would take Kiermaier over Pillar, but. Same thing with Lourdes. People see, oh, he, he guns guys out of the play. I think it's incredible and it is valuable, but I mean, if he can, but at the same time, like watching him run after fly balls sometimes makes me a little wary. But the upside of Lourdes is very high. I do really like Lourdes Gurriel, especially after the year he had last year. I wouldn't close the book on Lourdes. So trading him is, eh, oh, yeah. I wouldn't definitely don't close, the don't, definitely don't close the book on him. <laughs> yeah. No, the I think if there is. I was just going to say that the odd guy out, honestly, in that outfield has got to be Grichuk. Like, I yeah. love Grichuk. He's been pretty decent this year. He's been decent 
know every single year for the Jays, but like he is what like 31, 32, something like that. And he's on a pretty agree, decent yeah. contract. Like I think he has three years left, eleven mil left per year, something like that. You could de- you could definitely fielder. get something good for him too. Because if the Jays unload, if we unload, just think about if we unloaded Simeon and Grichuk and possibly maybe even someone else at the deadline. Think about how much we could get in return. We could get some insane pitching prospects when you think about it. You could get some of the best mm-hmm. pitching prospects in the game just for Simeon, honestly. And especially if teams are dying for offense. Teams like, you know, the Mets or something like that, who are like a few bats away from being absolutely elite. Stuff like that, like teams that have that pitching, but they're just looking for, you know, um, the, the bats to be there. Like they will give up a, a load for – how many more like former that. Blue Jays are we making Mets? Because <laughs> <laughs> now there's se- now their second baseman depth includes two former Blue Jays because they got Jonathan VR there right now. You got KP in the outfield. You got I-, I swear I saw the other day like 19 of their 25 roster players right now were Jays at one point in their career or like Martin in the system. Stroman, it's it's bonkers. Even Noah Stroman, Syndergaard, even. Yeah, like they have so many players right now that were Jays at one point or another. It's absolutely nuts. Lindor is like the only one, <laughs> like because he's and he was he was I guess maybe almost a J. I don't really know how much, but even yeah, he there was, was talks kind of at least. The there was talks. George Springer was up to the Mets and Jays. What is up with these two teams? Always some sort of similarities with them for just very random reasons. By the way, I know uh, we didn't talk about this, and I know we're kind of reaching up to our hour here, but I was just going to mention one thing uh, that I've noticed, especially um, because the Yankees have been ha- the Yankees just threw uh, threw uh, through their third triple play of the year, which is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, second one to end a game, but looking at the Yankees right now, uh, they're kind of missing uh, uh, a good bat from one of their top free agent signings in DJ LeMay, who was one who was one of the top coveted guys of the off season and was supposed to be this uh, well obviously was this ridiculous uh ridiculously good hitter and he's really kind of fallen off yeah like uh the yankees have had more triple plays uh than the diamondbacks have had like wins in the last 31 days it's the shortest span i i, I saw the three three triple plays the yankees have turned is the shortest span in mlb history ever it's crazy um and i i just wonder like what do what do you guys think anything has happened to dj like what is up with dj lemayhu he is like he's got this big contract he was this coveted off-season guy and he's kind of fallen off the cliff that he had built himself on the past couple of years it doesn't really matter he got paid once you secure the bag it's over eh, fair. Some of these guys fair it's like mm-hmm. i don't know maybe his work ethic went out the window that's, that's what happens with some guys. You've seen it happen so many times. They sign big contracts. Maybe their ego gets too inflated. They don't Machado. do the things that they normally do, that kind of stuff. And then, boom, reality hits you like a truck. It, like, absolutely knocks you over and puts you in the hospital. And that's what's kind of happened with DJ right now, to be honest. Yep. I'm, I'm not sure what's going on with LeMahieu. He definitely isn't the same player that we saw the last two years. Would I guess that it's an ego problem? I mean, DJ LeMayu has got to be the most stoic person I've ever seen step on the field. So I don't know if it's that. Like, maybe he's just hiding. Up. Maybe he's an egomaniac behind that blank staring face. I don't know. But um, <laughs> who knows? But, like, I don't know. It's just a guy who, you know, I, I know a batting average can be seen as a very basic stat, and I don't always go by it. But, I mean, when your batting average drops, like, 100 points, you know, there's cause for concerning. concern. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he went from batting 360 to 260. I mean, it's just like it's a good thing we the Jays didn't get him. I mean, I was I was in on him because I'm like, why not have a guy who can just slap baseballs all over the field? He's not even really doing that as much. So it's just like it's a good thing we didn't spend any money on him. But Semyon's easily been the better second baseman. And oh, no that's because LeMahieu hasn't been even playing second for the Yankees. That's my one thing is like when the Yankees signed LeMahieu, he was going to be their second baseman from now till whenever the contract finished now until he retires, probably 
because the Yankees can spend that kind of money, but they're not even playing him at second base. As soon as uh, Mike Ford went down there, they started mm-hmm. playing him at first and then they signed Rugned. And uh, obviously with Rugned there, they've been uh, having traded. Mike uh, well, Ford sorry, to the race. Ford. Yeah. So now they like DJ LeMahieu at first. Like, I wonder if that's even, I mean, obviously I think definitely the big contract and maybe work ethic has gone down. We saw it with guys like, especially Manny Machado. I mean, he's still, still a good player, but Machado, I still think that, that contract is definitely a bit of an overpay, but um, the Mayhew even maybe adjusting, maybe what we saw with Vladdy as well, like adjusting to a new, uh, a newer position, trying to get used to it, especially at first base. Whatever works. It's a tough position to learn. I will adjust to it, you know, like. Yeah. Oh. Whatever works for the Yankees. I mean, they're still like treading water. They're doing better. Lately. Oh yeah. I mean, but that offense still needs to be figured out. And DJ LeMahieu playing the way he is, isn't helping. Like, nope. nope. It's so surprising to see a team that was like just praised for their offense over the past few years, and now they are a non-factor of the plate almost. I mean, do I think they'll turn it around enough? Yeah, but we said that a month ago, and not much progress has been made. So who even knows at this point what happens? But DG LeMahieu's got to be one of those guys to step it up if they're going to turn this around offensively and match it up with their pitching success. Boys, I want to wrap it up on one last topic. Talking about the Rays right now, they dropped, you know, their last six contests in a row, including getting swept by Seattle, who's been <laughs> who, what, like no hit twice this year. Like, how the hell Somehow does that even happen? Over five hundred. I don't know. Yes. And and now Wander's on his way up, the MLB's top mm-hmm. prospect for what it seemed like the past twenty years, something like that. It's feel like he's been the top prospect forever. <laughs> here, they just finally. never call him up. But he's finally up, which is nice. So I don't know. What do you guys think of the Rays right now? Because like, because I I knew they were really good. They had that really good stretch, especially in May, where they were the best team in baseball. But like, it felt like, how is this team doing so well? Do you think like, re, like if is like I guess their roster's finally starting to catch up with them. All the weight that they released, and like, could Wander mm-hmm. fix that? I mean, can he fix it? I mean. He can certainly help. I don't know if he can fix it necessarily. It's a lot to ask for. I mean, Wander Franco could also just come out and just go on a tear, and he could just be a lead off the bat. Who knows? With temp- knowing Tampa Bay, you know what? That's probably what's going to happen. That's probably exactly what's going to happen. They're going to somehow, unfortunately, lose Tyler Glass, and Wander Franco's going to come in and say, ah, don't worry. I'm here to hit 350 out of nowhere. Enjoy as we make it to the playoffs. I don't know. The Rays are a weird team. Lost six in a row, and these stretches happen to every team. I don't know what to say. Like, if you, I've learned that if we count out the Rays, I mean, they'll just come back and, I don't know, make the ALCS somehow and be like, oh, right. They traded half their team, and they haven't gotten worse somehow. Okay. So that's the kind of team they are. It's a weird team. That's all I can say. They are weird in so many ways. So it's just, I don't know, just – I don't know. Now their second wild card plummeting from first in MLB. I think they have a good shot at making it back, but who knows what's going to happen. It's interesting. Cause, I mean, I was I was just double checking there. For whatever reason, I always think of Wander Franco as a center fielder. I don't know why he's a shortstop. Um, <laughs> uh, he's definitely a shortstop, but I wonder why the Rays... <laughs> They could probably put him in center field, although Kiermaier's pretty much got that spot locked down for him and now until forever. They'll, they'll play without a shortstop. They'll find another new way to play. They play four outfielders against Kevin Biggio. Just put him out there as a fourth outfielder, and that's eh, whatever. <laughs> but They're weird. They do. I'm they telling do. you, they're a weird team, but they make it work. So maybe we'll have three center fielders and absolutely no left-side infielders. I don't know. The Rays are going to have to... Well, the weird thing to me is the reason they the reason they had Wander uh, the reason sorry they traded Willie Adamas earlier on in the season to the Brewers randomly even though they were doing really well uh, or, or and even started doing better after they traded him was to make room for Wander Franco and to have him come up but they waited like I mean I guess they waited until service time but then why didn't you just wait to trade Willie Adamas right that that 
it's one of the moves that confused me. And now injuries have caught up with them and they're starting to feel the effects. They're dropping a bit. Um, and I mean, we all kind of expected this to happen. We didn't think the Rays were going to go out and dominate this division. And with uh, Glasnow uh, now being injured and they're, they're, they're starting to lose some weight. They've, they've traded a few more bullpen arms here and there. Uh, and I think now that Franco is here, I don't know if it's going to, I think this is just them getting past his service time and now they can finally use him. And I think, I don't know if we'll see them have a ridiculous surge. I think the injuries on the pitching front are still tough for them, but I still think uh, that it's going to be very interesting to see Wander Franco's debut. And hopefully, uh, I mean, I don't actually, why was I going to say that? I was going to mention the return of Springer, but they won't play each other. I don't know why I thought they were playing the Rays, but they're, I guess they're in Florida. That's what I was thinking. They're playing Mm -hmm. the Marlins next, but anyways. I think we pretty much talked about everything we want to talk about here. Check out the Extra Innings podcast on Spotify, wherever else we upload it. I'm not exactly sure if it's on Apple, wherever it is. Check out all the articles coming out. Me and Lucas got our Power Rankings article coming out at the end of the month. There's going to be a bunch of new stuff coming out for baseball. Make sure you stay in the loop and have a great day. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you for being here. Peace.